I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, a one-size-fits-all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. Welcome back. Me, you, hope you're new. Hope this is your first time listening to this podcast and you're like, I'm going to give it a try. It's good to have you with us and I hope you enjoy it. I hope this catches uh, your attention. I hope it gives you some fresh perspective on some things. But first, before we get into it, follow, download, review. These things are important. Why? Because somebody out there somewhere with their finger on a button has defined an algorithm that says, hey, if this many people follow this, if someone decides to download this, and if I leave a review, this will help somebody figure this thing out. Numbers line up. Suddenly I end up on a list somehow, somewhere. Uh, Your review may open up somebody's eyes to say that, hey, I need to check this podcast out. There's all purpose in it. So take just a few moments, follow, download, leave a review, let us know how we're doing and how this has helped you. Let somebody else know that, hey, maybe you should check this out and get some fresh perspective. Well, I hope today's title grabs your attention. You did what? How many of us have people in our life that say that? I think looking at the world around us, I don't think it's a question that's asked often enough. You know, because this question, you did what? And I'm going to say it like that often to get your attention every time I say it, because that's the way it needs to be said. It needs to be said by somebody who has really like watched what you've done or you've explained what you've done. And they're still just blown away, flabbergasted that you made the decisions you made that you just decided on your own that this was the best option for you. Um, You know, this comes from something that just happened in the news. If you're not a sports person, this may be new to you. Uh, But if you know anything about this person, then you're not going to be really blown away by what has occurred because this is just typical of I'm going to say his character and it's hard for me to say that about somebody's character. I don't want to ever attack somebody's character. I don't ever want anyone to think that I'm not seeing the best in somebody else because I, I talk about as a pastor I see this quite often is we address what we see. We we speak to the outside exterior. We speak to someone's mistakes instead of inviting them to be better, instead of challenging them beyond the harsh exterior of the decisions uh, that they've made, the circumstances that they've been a part of. Because I believe the best of us lies on the inside of us. If we were created in the image of God, which I believe, then I have to believe there's something innate inside of us that is good, that is designed to be the best version of us. But because 
of the world we're raised in, but the people we're raised by, this, the situations and circumstances we're immersed in, the decisions that we made or have been made for us, I always say, put it like this, the things that have been done to us, for us, and by us. Those are generally the three things that determine what we become. And for many years of our life, we don't have control of that. We see people who are brought up in situations and circumstances beyond their control that are just bad, uh, raised in homes of poverty, uh, having parents who are anything but present, um, maybe even having neither one or neither parents in the home immersed into a foster parent uh, system, whatever it may be. There's so many things in our world that get us in a place where we really don't have control of our younger, more well-rounding out years. I was blessed to be brought up in a Christian home by parents who loved me, who are still married today, who still give me a, a glimpse of what it's meant to be a husband and a wife and learning and growing together. Did they get it right all the time? No. Did they go without arguing? By no means. I remember some of the arguments they had. Uh, did they always say the right things? No. But I've never saw a moment where they didn't commit to overcoming and growing in those moments. And that's something that I, I hope that Morgan and I do, and I hope that our kids witness in us. But just recently, I'll get back to the news thing, right? I, I said I was coming out of a, a thought process. Uh, if you're a sports person, Draymond Green, is he plays for the Golden State Warriors, and he's known as just a bad I don't know. He's got a guy that's got a chip on his shoulder. He's made some questionable moves in his time. And he's, he's a good player. He's a hustler. He is just scrappy. He goes out and gives it it all. He'll, he'll dive for balls. He'll do the little things that um, some of these guys, and I'm going to use another very accusatory word, prima donnas out there that uh, play the game just won't do. He, he goes out and does it. Gives 110 every night. And I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know. That's one of those sports things that you're not capable of giving 110%. Well, he goes out and gives 100% most nights. But there's moments where he can get trapped in his feels. And through his time in the league, there's been moments where he gets in uh, arguments with players or doesn't like the way it's going. And just the other night, this really comes about in a way uh, that kind of rounds out all that's been going on through his years. And he did something to a level that I think it finally got everybody's attention to say, we have to do something about this. So he is uh, being guarded by a guy who's got his hand on his hip and really holding him close. And so he's not getting a separation, get the ball. And all of a sudden trying to get away from him, he does a UFC move, a swinging backhand into this guy's head. And, tried to play it off like he was the one getting fouled and all this. So he got ejected, kicked out of the game, and now the league has thrown the book at him and suspended him for an indefinite amount of time. And I I heard a lot of news channels. I, I listen to ESPN Sports a lot. And a lot of the conversation was centered around where does he go from here? How long is the punishment going to be? What's it going to take and they really brought it back to the league because of and they always bring it back to this word image the image of the nba and they've got to be worried about that but i heard um a couple of guys talking on there and they brought up something that you know is near and dear to my heart and they used one of my favorite words a word that really 
became real to me over the last six to seven years uh, as we kind of traverse what Christianity has become, what the church is supposed to be. And it's the word village. And it said to this point that, yes, Draymond needs time off. He needs to be uh, taken out of this place that he's become accustomed to. Because a lot of these celebrities, uh, professional sports players, can become very comfortable in the fact that they've arrived, that they get all of this money to do things. You know, all of us that have to go and work hard for the money we get and don't get this, they can become very comfortable and secure and just thinking that they can do whatever they want. And there there needs to be accountability in this place. And specifically for somebody who feels, who has something going on internally, whether it be mentally or whatever it is that has positioned him in this time in his life, where he'll feel he feels like he can do this. There's there was another um, episode just a year or so ago where he stepped on somebody's chest, and you know you could determine whether he did it on purpose or not. But going back and watching the video, you can definitely tell there was some malice involved, which tends to be um, commonplace. I'm a Grizzlies fan, and we had uh, a player that was the same type. He has this attitude about him, but there's malice involved in the decisions that they make and the things that they do, which I think comes back to a core problem that there's something internal along the way that says this is the way you have to respond and react. And this is what I really want to address today is if I would have done something like this, if I would have hauled off and just whacked somebody, uh, I know we don't tend to have a lot of these uh, moments you know, on a Sunday morning. I'd be on the platform and uh, invite somebody up and start talking about scripture and get in an argument and just haul off and whack them right in the middle of everything. That doesn't tend to happen, right? I'm not on the court. I'm not out on a football field or something. But I, I like to believe that in my life, I've surrounded myself with a village of people that if I'd made a, an egregious error like this, and I would love to know, and we, we may never know, because many times people who struggle in things like this, that their emotions uh, rule them, that there is instantaneous actions that occur that most everybody outside of the situation who's really able to watch and observe the entirety of it and say, there was no need for that, or why would they even do that? There's so many things that could have been done prior to this. Why did this have to occur? Now, if you get to the most dire circumstances, we see this in commonplace in our world around us today with the constant uh, mass shootings that go on. And we, we'd like to, from the outside looking in, try to address why someone could get to that place of so much hurt, of so much uh, evil in their heart that they would just go and make these mistakes. And I know this is putting two completely different scenarios on the same page. It's not trying to compare or contrast them to other what I'm really saying is we live in a world from the smallest thing to the biggest thing where people are driven by their emotions, where people generally don't care what it, how or what it does to the people around them, how it affects them. We are so bought into what we want and how we want it and when we want it that we don't value the people around us, that we're willing to do anything possible to take care of us no matter what it costs those around us. Let that thought sink in real quick. Because we are so self-centered in our world. It happens in our marriages even. I want what I want. You know, 
for the most part, this is another generalization. You see this in marriage. Men are, are very more sexually driven, physical touch driven. So men sometimes get in a place where I want sex. So you have to give me sex. I've seen even this broken concept within the church uh, that women within the church think their one job is to keep their man happy by keeping the house clean, keeping their man sexed up and taking care of the kids. Like as long as they do that, they're doing their part. That's what a helpmate. That's what God intended. That is so broken. That is furthering a broken concept of what a man and a woman should be. Now, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy sex I, as a man. I do. And but if that's my drive is what am I getting, then I'm now neglecting the what that is supposed to be is two coming together and sharing an intimate space with one another. Being a, a space of a connection. But if it's only for me, if I'm only in, the, in that moment for me, then I can care less about the other person that's there with me. This is why people who don't get it will tend to find it somewhere else because it doesn't matter who it's with. It's only the that it's for them. And they become so self-centered. But this is the world we live in. We live in such a self-centered world that we don't care how our actions affect others. And this boils down to the, even the most simplest thing of waiting in line at a school drop-off. I see parents cutting other parents off. I see people parking wherever they want to park and messing the whole flow of traffic up. Like We generally just don't care about the world around us. But it's the moment that you surround yourself with a village of people and being very careful, because if you go back to the concept of village, a true village was one that had somebody of all trades, of all types. It wasn't a commune of people who all did the same thing, believed the same way, just were wired the same way. That's called a uh, Borg. I don't know what the Borg were. If you ever watched Star Trek, this, you know, the... Uh, the Borg were just pretty much all in, assimilated and indoctrinated cyborgs that just, they all did the same thing. I think they were cyborgs. I'm not a, a Trekkie. So I apologize for my insubordinate amount of information on uh, Star Trek. But we use that word a lot, assimilation. I've heard that used in church too, where we just want to make everybody think the same. We want to give you information and get everybody on the same page. But the power of a village was having people with a multitude of gifts and talents, a people with a multitude of information and wisdom, because when they come together, there is a more rounded view of what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. So when they use this word village to talk about Draymond Green today, it really sparked something in my thinking, because I think this is true for every one of us. And it came down to this question. You did what? From the moment I was a small boy till now, I've always had somebody in my life that could say, you did what? Now, I've also had people in my life like that, regardless of what I've done, would have said, yeah, I would have done that too. And you have to be very careful because if you don't have somebody in your life to question what you do, then you can be caught in a group think. You can be stuck in a even a village, a collection of people who all think the same, who all look the same, who all act the same. And then now we just do what we think is right, and we can care less how it affects those around us who don't think or act like us. But there is something valuable to having 
two sides. You want people to be there with you. You don't want everybody to be against you because that's a that's a damaging place too. There has to be some some common place where you do grow together, but never losing that ability. I can tell you, me and my wife uh, Morgan are aligned in a lot of things. However, um, I'm quite positive today. If there's some things in my life, if I did it, um, like just recently, I. I was caught on camera. Uh, now this could lead a whole lot of ways, right? Now you're thinking, whoa, what was he caught on camera doing? So here locally in Virginia, they have put these cameras up near schools. So when you're driving down the road and you drive through that school zone and during the morning and the afternoon where the, the speed limit drops down substantially, they don't need to put cops there anymore because they have these cameras that take nice pretty pictures of you and your car going uh, a little bit over the speed limit. And they'll send a nice letter to your home with a picture of you and your license plate on your car saying, thank you for running that uh, red light. Thank you for speeding in an area you weren't. This is how much you now owe uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Thank you and have a blessed day. They don't put blessed, but I would if I was them Um, because they catch you red handed and then you get to send in a check or money order or pay by card now because we're in that type of society uh, to pay for your um, your your deed. So recently uh, I get a letter in the mail that says I'd done this. And it's funny though. I, I would say that Morgan said, you did what? She did, but she really couldn't say that because she had received one just a few weeks prior to that. Um, we've now been on a successful run of months where neither one of us have one. So we don't have to say this, but anytime money has to come out of our bank account for something like that, something we should have known better, there is a thought process by you did what? Oh, so in my home, it starts uh, with my kiddos. I I would like to think if I did something silly, even my kiddos would have the ability to say, Dad, you did what? Um, Now, as a pastor of the church, I've given our whole church the ability to do that. If I ever do something that's outside of character, if I do something that's not aligned with the word that I preach, if I I don't live a life that's in alignment uh, with what we are called to be as Christians, uh, as pastors, as husbands, as fathers, then there's an accountability within this village called a church that they can hold me accountable. Even I'm not in this place where I've risen so far uh, that I can't be held accountable by anyone. That's such a broken mentality too. But I want to come back to this thought process of who and how and why can somebody get to this place and not have another thought, another a uh, group of people to challenge. And scripture is filled with this. I, I encourage you, if you're not a Bible reader, or you don't even really know about this God thing or Jesus, I always encourage people to start in Proverbs. We've talked about this on this podcast before. It, it is a collection of sayings that most of you have heard in some form or fashion about life. Uh, There's so much wisdom to be had in Proverbs about business, about parenting, about marriage, about anything and everything, really. If you want the Bible to be activated, which it is, and you want it to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You want it to, to help you day to day. We want to be practical. That's the word I'm looking for. That's a word we don't use with the Bible a lot. We use spiritual, um, but we don't use practical. But if the word is not practical, then what is it for, really? Is it to tell us about God, but 
this is a testimony, a group of people who are coming together and making this lifestyle that we've been called to live, teaching us how to practically use the wisdom that we have. And Proverbs does an amazing job of this. And I'll use a couple of scriptures to let you know as we talk about this, you did what, this wise counsel that we're called to have. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I think this is so important when you begin to think about the decisions we make. Now, every one of us, we get stuck in a moment where emotions are high, where something's done to us. And many of those moments were validated to respond, to react. And right then, right there, if we can only look and see what we see, if we can only hear our own self talking us into or out of doing something, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You can be as right as right can be and still be wrong. Think about that. Like in your mind, you could be right based on what you uh, had done to you. Now, thinking back over your life, have you ever been in a situation where something was done to you? And in that moment, you felt validated to respond or react. Now, as you get older, now that you're out of the situation, you look back at what was actually done to you and many times what was said to you. And I want you to determine whether that thing was actually said or done the way you remembered it or the way you interpreted it in the moment. Most times it's not, right? There are things, there are moments that were, but I can definitely remember back in my life where I responded or reacted based on what I thought I heard. And then when I got more information, I realized I was wrong. So in that moment, I would have been right in my own eyes. But in the moment you become right, many times our ears shut off. We, we shut off any form of information that can come in because now we're about to just send information out. We're about to take an action, say something, and we could care less what's coming in. We've received all the information needed in order to respond, and we move forward. The moment we stop listening is the moment we have re like we've come to the firm belief that we have all the information necessary, and we have enough to make a decision, and we're making a decision. You can't stop me now. That's a broken place. That's the place of a fool. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. This is another part where it talks about abundance of counselors in Proverbs. It actually talks about in several places. Proverbs 24, 6 says, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So in this place of wisdom, even of getting guidance, a lot of guidance, a lot of wise counsel is a good place to be. You can have one wise counsel, but when you surround yourself with other wise counsel, an abundance of counselors. Now think about this. Why would it say an abundance of counselors if you had a hundred people saying the same thing? So that's not very well-rounded, right? If you had a hundred counselors saying the same thing as one counsel, then that statement right there is for why wise guidance you can wage your war, and as long as it's wise, you'll have victory. 
So why would it go in depth and why would it go even further and say in abundance of counselors? Because I believe if you think about that, you need wise counsel, but wise counsel doesn't always sound the same. When you surround yourself with wise counsel, people from multiple directions, people with multiple backgrounds that have overcome things in their life, because wise means you've lived it. It's not something was told to you and you've got a mind full of useless information that somebody told you. Well, this is what my dad said, so this has to work. Wise is the transition from information to activation. It is You've used this this information. You've proved it in your life. You've watched it. You've used it. You've observed it. It is true to you because of the wisdom gained by living it out. So having one person with that wisdom of what they've experienced in their life, now an abundance of counselors talks about a group of people who had to come from multiple different directions that arrived at the same place. They all could have the same information, the same decision to move forward in here. But what they actually carry is, more importantly, is the testimony of wisdom of how they arrived at this place. So not only do you make the decision to move forward in here where victory will occur, you cover all your bases on what you need to do to get there. Now we're kind of gathering this place of the purpose of a village is having a village of wise people. But you want a group, a village, a group of people that have different backgrounds, different understandings. It's the purpose of man and woman when you really want to break down to it, is man and woman are wired differently. The emotional response is, is tied to a woman and their response. The practical approach most times is tied to a man, and there's power in both of those. That's why it's dangerous when you only have men as your counsel or women as your counsel. You need to be very careful with that. There is a roundedness that occurs when you get them together. In ministry, I love to have husbands and wives do ministry together because I know in a moment when they have to make a decision, instantly in that space, there is a group, there is a a different process that occurs. They don't have only one source of information, only one source of uh, of how to think about that together, they are operating together, which gives them a more rounded approach to the ministry they're called to do. It was life-changing when Morgan and I began to do ministry together and really begin to process. There's times that things that occur and I'll respond a certain way and I'll put it on hold. I'll stop and I'll walk over to her desk. She works at the school next to us and I'll present this information to her and let her process it back to me. And it's life-changing because so many times through her difference of a view or difference of approach, I'm like, okay, yeah, I needed to hear that. Now I can process this through both of our eyes and ears, both of our wisdom and counsel and say, let's make this decision. It doesn't mean it changes my mind, but it gives me a chance to breathe and react fully, not just internally. I have people in this church who've been here longer than I have. And I go to them and I talk to them about some of the things. Um, there's a youthful eyes and youthful wisdom, even of things uh, to process the world around us. Like all of this is important, but I think you have to have a village. So I want to encourage you today. I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I really want to challenge you in your life. I really want you to stop and take stock of the voices in your life. If you're an isolated person, be very careful. 
because what's been done to you, for you, and by you has a heavy, heavy decision-making ability in your life, the things you do and you say. You need somebody in your life that would say, you did what? To hold you accountable. To walk through, because if you did it, now you've got to walk out of it. You've got to overcome it. You don't want to end up right back there. See, this is where Draymond Green has ended up again in the same place, doing the same things over and over again. And the the steps he had to take early on to overcome it, now are only getting worse. The repercussions only get bigger. The money lost only gets more. If only he had had a village of people very early on that said, you did what? You did what? So I challenge you today. Begin to look at your inner circle. If you can't be challenged in that way, if everybody supports you, no matter what you do, that's a broken place. And you're headed down a one-way road to disaster. A one-way road to bad decision-making that will affect you and, and your impact on the world around you. Together, we are stronger. I encourage you today. God bless you. Let's go.